grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a brand new series called Peace in an Anxious World. And if it's not you, you know someone who deals with anxiety, which is at epidemic levels in our culture. This message and series is one you need to hear because there is hope and a plan through Jesus to find a better way for us to live in peace in the midst of all this confusion. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part one of the message called, Why So Anxious? Pastor Sean is teaching from Philippians chapter 4. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. I don't think I have to make a big case that we live in kind of an anxious world, but I think sometimes we don't recognize how prevalent anxiety is. Uh, I had a conversation with our creative team, and our creative team is a bunch of millennials and, and me, okay? And I'm, so I am definitely pops in the room, right? That's fine. I can, I can handle it, Okay. But we were having this conversation about anxiety and just kind of how people perceive and different things. And it was really amazing to hear their take because their experience with it is very different than mine. You know, when you stop and think about it, they, they, have, they said so many of their friends really wrestle with anxiety or are being treated for anxiety or depression. And so many, it's just a huge, big thing. And I understand that. I know people who are wrestling through that, and you know we're going to talk about some of that through the course of this series. But one of the things they told me, just as we're talking, just kind of an anecdote that popped out, and I was like, wow, that is totally different. They told me that to their kind of age group, if someone calls you on the phone and doesn't text you, if it's a phone call, that gives them a little tinge of anxiety. It's a true story. And I'm like, that's weird. They're like, no, no, no. They said, it, it, exactly, every, to every service, there have been young people. No, no, that's totally true. Ooh, don't call me. Ooh. Mm. Why would you call me? What's wrong with you? Why, why would you call me? The last I heard, it's called a phone. You know it does that, right? I like to hear your voice. Their take is, if it was just something quick and you need to know or whatever, then, then you would text me. If it's a phone call, oh, no, what's wrong? I'm like, that's a little dark. I know. Don't call. I'm, so now I call him all the time, you know. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Just call him and say, hey. <laughs> Want to talk? What are you doing? But I mean, when you stop and think about that, it, it's just, th- this is a widespread kind of issue. It, it's a cultural thing. Ryan and I had an interesting kind of cultural wake-up call. Our whole family was at Schluterbahn, and uh, we all went together, all the kids and you know, adults, and then Lori and I, grandma and grandpa, right? And so yeah, at Slenderbond, you got to go through the big thing where they check your bags and everything. I'm like, dude, I'm wearing a bathing suit. How much is that? How much am I going to smuggle in, right? Okay. But, you know, you got the towels and all the stuff. So they, so they check your bags and do the whole security thing, and you go through. Well, we had to go back out and get something we had left out or something. I don't remember what the deal was, but we had to kind of come back out. And then there's this big, long line. Well, I noticed, dude, there's this huge area with these planters, and you can walk right through. And so I go, oh, oh, good. I walk right through. And Ryan's with me. He's like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, look, I can walk right through. Praise the Lord. It's God's provision. You know, <laughs> isn't this wonderful? Right? 
And he's, he's like, whoa, time out, time out. He's like, that's messed up. And, and we had this interesting conversation about our different responses. I saw an opportunity to bypass security as, hey, good news, I'm free. He saw it as, man, they are messed up on their security. What's wrong with that? And, and what was interesting is he's like, well, Dad, stop and think about it. I'm from the post-9-11. I mean, I was a little kid when 9-11. I grew up in that world. And he's right, I didn't. They're thinking on things like security, things that they're totally different from where mine is. And, and when you start to understand that this is the adult generation, these are the rising leaders in our culture, it, it, anxiety is kind of just a, a low-grade temperature almost in the whole country, beyond the country, in the world. And you stop and sit and go, well, really, how big an issue is this? Well, according to Psychology Today, they wrote this, the chances are fairly high that either you or a loved one has had some history of anxiety. In any given year, about 17% of us will have an anxiety disorder. And over our lives, about 28% of us will have an anxiety disorder. Now, and I've read different articles on it in preparation. That number can go 17, 18, almost up to 20%, so one in five. And uh, in a lifetime, up to 30, 33, almost a third of people will experience some sort of disorder connected to anxiety. If you have one anxiety disorder, then you probably have two or three anxiety disorders, and possibly depression. Those are often hand in hand. The most common anxiety disorders are panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and specific phobia. 49% of the general population have a history of either anxiety, depression, substance abuse, or some of all three major issues. And anxiety has been increasing, and this absolutely broke my heart when I read this. The average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. We are getting more anxious every decade. I mean, the different sources list different reasons why anxiety is becoming more of a problem. One of the ones that they all listed, and there were a few that were just big and they were consistent, and one of those was increased isolation. We are increasingly isolated as a people. We're not nearly as community-oriented. We move more. We relocate. So just up, you know, tear up roots and go and start over again. We change jobs more. We're less civically involved in our communities, less church involvement, getting married later in life, waiting longer to have families, living alone for much longer, maybe most of our life. And isolation is a a multiplier when it comes to anxiety. It really is. Another reason is less stability and predictability. You used to work for the same company for most of your career. You'd have a company retirement. Well, not anymore. People change careers. Those things are all very much individualized. Uh, Higher economic expectations and less confidence in how they're going to achieve has created anxiety in people. You even mentioned retirement, and a whole lot of people in this room probably just get that little bit of, ugh, just a little bit of anxiety. How about news? News. And let me just explain something to you. If you don't know this already, Pastor Sean's going to be your friend today. 
Really, because we get all the bad news in the world at one time. And understand something, bad news sells. Good news isn't news. It's for a little special section, you know? It's a little kind of human interest section of the, of the paper, of the website, or of the cable news you're watching. The main news is typically bad news because that's what sells. That's what people want to know about. That's what people are drawn to. And if you don't know that, if you don't keep that really front and center, you can begin to think the whole world is falling apart at the same time because we get all the bad news in the world at the same time. Didn't used to be that way. Used to be you'd have to wait for the paper the next day and and the paper could only carry certain things and most of it was local or even national. Now every catastrophe in the whole world is instantly tweeted to us on our phones that are in our pockets. Stop and think about the effect that that has on people's outlook. It's not that there's um, so, so many more disasters. The reality is we are just aware of all of them. Every one of us aware of all of them all the time. That's a huge stress factor and creator of anxiety. Technology, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but technology, the fact that not only does all the bad news in the world have access to us all the time, but all the people in our rather large networks, they all have access to us at the same time. And we're always getting a notification, we're always getting an email, we're always getting a message, we're always getting something, and there's, there's that sense of of anxiety that that creates do you you realize and we're going to talk about this more in one of the coming weeks um tech our technology and our phones and our tech is literally rewiring our brains there there's a a chemical reaction that happens when you get a notification or when you check your phone and the habit you ever notice if, if if you in any way start to feel a little weird when you don't have your phone for a while and i'm including myself in this mix that is a sign that you, that's what we're talking about. You're beginning to have a physiological reaction to your tech. Psychologists say it is rewiring how we think. See, that tech right there is causing me stress right now and, tech, and anxiety. I, I'm feeling it. Oh, 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 the phone's ringing. Stress. Stress is, is one of the major causes and triggers of anxiety. It's one of the major causes and triggers of depression. And we live with such stress. And it's funny, even if you're not aware of it, there's just this, you know, I used the phrase before, low grade that's just kind of always there because of the way we live. Now, a few points that I think are worth noting as we kind of get into this conversation. And I want you to hear this. If you struggle with anxiety, you are not alone. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Why So Anxious, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. 
goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Why So Anxious? This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Let me say that again. If you are here and you struggle with anxiety, maybe you feel it, you recognize it, maybe you've been diagnosed, you are not alone. One of the worst parts about something like that is you begin to think that you're the only one and you begin to isolate and keep it to yourself because you think, well, everybody else seems so normal and everything else seems fine with them and I've got this turmoil inside of me. I'm some sort of freak and I'm the only one. Here's the deal. The only difference is you don't know what's going on inside of them. Okay? They know what's going on inside of them. You know what's going on inside of you. You are not alone. And that is so huge. Once you begin to understand that, once you begin to just open the box and start saying, oh, this is an issue. We do live in a culture. There are lots of causes and reasons. You're not alone. And I think one of the things we do in the church, and I want to, I want to be real clear here, one of the things we do in the church is, is we can sit and kind of think, oh, I want to keep this to myself because maybe that means I'm not spiritual enough or I don't trust God enough. Folks, the whole idea is none of us are spiritual enough. Okay? If we were spiritual enough, we wouldn't need Jesus. The whole point of this faith of ours is we needed a Savior. So this idea that, oh, well, if I have anxiety or I'm wrestling with anxiety, then that must mean I'm not spiritual enough. Stop it. Okay? Please. There's no perfect people here. There's no all tied up and, and put together people here. We're just people who have found a Savior who loves us a lot. So it's okay to talk about this particular issue. And there are a lot of different causes, many contributing factors. Your physiology can either make it harder or easier for you to deal with anxiety. Your background, your history, your habits are a huge contributor. And we're going to look at all that. We're going to unpack some of this in the next few days. But, but I want to encourage you, stick with us. If you've struggled with anxiety, or maybe you've, even on a lower level or a higher level, whatever it is, I want to encourage you, stick with us for the next five weeks. We're going to talk about all these different factors, but we want to always start with what God says. What does God say? about anxiety does he have something to say about it i want to suggest scripture talks a lot about it but one of the core scriptures if you have your bibles i want you to turn to philippians chapter four i love this passage of scripture we'll probably reference it multiple times throughout this passage because there's so much meat here for us to chew on the apostle paul is writing he's writing to the church at philippi and in this particular passage look what he says he says rejoice in the lord always i'll say it again rejoice now stop we know, there's, we, we know that passage, very familiar passage, right? We got a little song, Rejoice in the Lord always. I, I'll spare you. I could sing it around if you want, I mean. But what, the problem is we know passages that are familiar like this, they, they can become rote, so we don't think about them. Oh, that's just the way Paul spoke. He repeated everything he said. No, he didn't. He didn't always repeat himself. He's doing this for a purpose. Rejoice in the Lord always, unless they just go, oh, yes, of course, what a great sentiment, Paul. Thank you for that. Rejoice in the Lord always. He goes, I'll say it again. He's writing. This is very deliberate and intentional. I will say it again. Rejoice. So he's wanting to stop you in your tracks and go, no, no, there's something important here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And if you're using the notes in the bulletin or on the app, you you can underline that. Just underline that phrase or, or mark that. The Lord is near. He goes on and says, do not be anxious about anything. And, and 
I want to stop there because one of the things that if you struggle with anxiety, you might be a little off-putting, that statement might be a little off-putting to you. Wait a minute, he's actually giving it, that's a biblical instruction. It's not like, oh, I'm sorry you're feeling anxiety, I feel your pain. He's saying, do not be anxious about anything. That's a command. Is that possible? Well, I think we're going to find that, that it is. I think we're going to find he's going to give us some tools to help us actually be able, able to choose to walk away from the pathway of anxiety rather than continue to be bogged down in it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. That, that's an interesting phrase. What's the difference between pr- prayer and petition? Petition, we understand, is a specific request. God, you know, I'm anxious about this. Would you please intervene? God, I bring this one before you, God. And it's a specific thing. Prayer, and, and I think this is very important, prayer is that more general sense of communion with God. Prayer is how we interact and how we commune with God. He's saying prayer and petition. Yes, bring your request. And he's going to say that specifically in a moment. But don't forget just to be with God. Don't forget just to enter his presence. Do you know when you are anxious about something or when, you're, when something's happened and you're reacting to it, just the simple act of stepping back and going, wait a minute, God, what do you think about this? Just the simple act of acknowledging God in the moment can begin to bring peace and begin to change the way you think about that. See, he says, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, and circle this one in your notes, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And look at this promise, look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. This is not like any other peace. Okay, this isn't just a ceasefire. This isn't just, you know, nice sentiment. This is something different. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Will guard, circle that, circle guard. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. From what? From that anxiety. And then he goes on to this. He goes right into this passage. We, again, this is another one of those passages, but we sometimes think they're separate. No, they're together. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I love that phrase, God of peace. Because remember he talked about the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. The God of peace. He ends by literally giving God this, kind of putting this character quality on our God. The God of peace will be with you. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it is and the effect it's had on my life and so many lives in this room and people who are listening. I just pray that you'd speak to us. Help us to hear your heart and give us the courage to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the main point. God knows we live in an anxious world, but has made a way for us to choose peace instead. God knows we live in an anxious world, but has made a way for us to choose peace instead. And if that is in your notes, that's a typo. Has made a way. He has made a way for us to choose peace instead. See, it's not like God is somehow saying, well, this is ridiculous. Your anxiety, your fear, that's just ridiculous and that's foolish and you don't need to be worrying about such things. No, he knows that we live in an anxious world. He knows that we can be prone to anxiety. That's why he addresses the subject. Multiple occasions he addresses the subject. The answer is not to pretend and hope it goes away. The answer is to 
stand up, acknowledge it, and then say, Lord, what do you have for us? And that's what we're going to look at. I want to suggest in that passage of Scripture, God's given us three important keys to walking in this peace that transcends comprehension. Before we get to the first one, let's look at this passage of Scripture. John 14, 27. I love where Jesus says, and again, look how he says it. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. In other words, it's, it's a different kind of peace. Just like Paul said, it transcends comprehension or understanding. I'm giving you a different kind of peace, says Jesus. And look what he says. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I want to suggest it begins with the heart. Here's the first point. First key to the peace that transcends understanding is a heart of peace. It's a heart of peace. And I think what's really important here is that we understand this peace moves from the inside out. It it doesn't work the other way. Peace starts on the inside. Being free or at least getting victory over anxiety begins on the inside, not on the outside. And, And for a lot of us, we think that's exactly backwards. We think it starts on the outside. We think, if I could get rid of this problem at work, then I would have peace. If I could get rid of this issue at home or in my marriage, or with one of my kids, or with with a relative, or whatever it is that's causing you anxiety, if I could get rid of that person at work, then I wouldn't have a problem anymore. When I say get rid of that person, I don't mean in a Thanos kind of way, right? You know, we're not talking about they just disappear. Okay. That was a very nerdy moment right here at River City. We're not talking about like eliminate them, disintegrate them or anything. What we're talking about is is if they weren't in the picture, then I could have peace because they're the problem. I want to suggest to you, and we'll talk about this more, research uh, the word of God. And if you stop and think about it, personal experience is, yeah, the answer is not the external stuff. The answer, it starts on the inside, a heart of peace is what he wants to give you. A heart at rest, a heart at peace. And in that passage, he gives us two very important phrases. And if you're not paying attention, you can just treat them like nice little uh, platitudes and just blow past them. I want to suggest they are key to having a heart of peace. The first one is how he opened the whole passage. Remember what he said? He repeated it. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Do you understand joy in the Lord is one of the beautiful qualities of a heart that is at peace? Joy in the Lord. And you're like, well, that'd be great. I want joy in the Lord, but my problem is I work where I work. My problem is I live with the people I live with, or I work with the people I work with, or I struggle with the things I struggle with. That's the problem. Notice he doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He said rejoice in the Lord. I believe that's the key to actually being able to rejoice in the midst of your circumstances. But understand the power of that simple phrase. We've been called to a relationship with Father through Jesus Christ that allows us to rejoice in Him. Rejoice in His presence. Rejoice in His voice. The love that He covers us with, that He fills us with. He gives us joy. The second fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, what? Joy. Peace. His presence in you becomes a fountain of joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Doesn't mean I'm happy about my circumstances. 
doesn't mean I'm happy about relational issues I'm struggling with or failures that I think I've had. Or, or it, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that in spite of all that, he's with me. The Lord is near. I'm filled with his spirit. And his spirit is the spirit of joy. Rejoice in the Lord. It's powerful. Tap into that joy. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Us and Them, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City has come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.